Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark? Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't Screen Beans until they listen to the show. Fine. Potential Screen Beans. You like movies and TV shows, right? I mean, who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives. That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed chefs, writers, costumers, musicians, yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers, folks in the film and TV industry, and more. We'd be delighted for you to join us every other Monday on the Certain POV Podcast Network. Or wherever you get your podcasts, fresh and tasty off the presses. What? But that's no, that's not. Can I call them screen beans now? Fine. Screen beans. So tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere. Cause you're a whole screen beans now. You're listening to the GBN Golden Red Broadcasting Network. Trainers at your ready, and welcome to the Champion's Path. Hello, Johto! You're listening to the Goldenrod Broadcast Network. Welcome to A Champion's Path, a Pokemon podcast. As always, I'm your Poke host, Maddie Limerick, and on today, I have one of my favorite comic buddies here with me, John Weaver. John, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. So why don't you give the folks at home a little bit of an intro as to who you are? Well, everybody, my name, uh, as Maddie, Maddie so lovingly said, I'm John Weaver. I've known him however now many years it's been since we met at New Pulse. Eight years, I think. Eight years. And I just pointed out the fact that I have a daughter now, and that, that's the thing that makes me feel older. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, like I said, we met in college. I have studied to be a teacher. I'm currently doing that now, and I'm surprised I don't have gray hairs considering I'm teaching middle school special yeah middle Uh, school is such a fun age group because they're just learning uh to be a little you know introspective and then realize that like they're internalizing it so then they're just mean to everybody so (laughs) middle school is a weird age group (laughs) no trust me which is why it's so fun honestly if i told the me that um, met you that I was going to be teaching middle school, they would have thought I was mental. But then I've, <laughs> but then I've learned it's so much fun because that same um, introspectiveness that they have, and then why they're so mean to each other, I revel in that because I'm equal parts within reason mean to them, and then they're not used to their teachers or adults doing that to them. So then yep. they look at me with that a new level of respect, like oh. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when I tease them that all the stuff that they're into, like what we're going to be talking about today, I tease them that they ride our coattails and like, oh yeah, the stuff you're into, I did that when I was like yeah. this age. And they look at me like, wait, you were alive then? <laughs> well it's always funny too especially because now like anime is popular comic books are popular and for like years so many of us were like relentlessly bullied because of it so like now literally it you know we're not the only ones but i like to be like you know back in my day i had to go buy four episodes on a vhs i had to look it up on youtube in like 10 parts and even then it had to be like sped up and like backwards 
It's true. Well, and you're even younger than I am. So it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's very much a weird, like we're just on that generational edge together. I'm on one end, you're on the other, but like it, but I also love that. Like I can walk into five below and buy a ton of anime stuff for like five bucks. And also like, you know, it's just, I loved working at universal when kids would have like uh, a Naruto or I love when you get like the boys in the Sailor Moon shirt and they go oh my god I've loved Sailor Moon for years who's your favorite Sailor Scout and just their their face lightening up and like it's it is it is very much a thing that I I love that it's so accessible now and like people that were fans when we were younger are voice acting now so like it's I just love that I love that so much um, so what is your background with Pokemon? Well, I was going to say, kind of like, kind of, uh, you know, open the door a little bit with that, like the generational gap thing that I've actually been, uh, you know, ingrained with the series probably since I was about four or five around the time that the series really hit the States. I, Cause if I remember correctly, Pokemon as a series was a thing, I think like in nine, around the time I was born, like 93, 94 with the original, uh, red and green. And by the time that it hit the States, like the Pokemania blew up in 99, I was about five. Yeah. And yeah. I remember, I think I have vague memories of even talking with my cousin when I was about that age saying I wanted to get red version because whatever reason I like red. And I, I kind of stuck with the series from then on minus one hiatus that we'll probably get into a little bit. But yeah, I've been ingrained with the series since I was about five and I haven't looked back. That's amazing. So red version was the first game you played? Oh yeah, it was de- it was definitely the first one. I have very clear memories of, like I said, looking at it um, and then playing it uh, back when you had to use the uh, batteries for the original Game Boys and Game yep. Boy Colors, and you you scoured for the AA batteries, hoping that oh, you yeah. didn't lose anything. <laughs> yeah, when you went on band trips or school trips or our family vacation, you prayed that you brought that that like the uh pillowcase full of batteries that you've been <laughs> stockading because it only lasted for four hours and then you hoped that like you could get to a good part or you would get there before uh it got too dark that you couldn't see the screen anymore uh, the worst part especially like on long car rides that you could only play when it was at um during the day and then you yep. prayed for like a street light or like you kind of yep. like huddled it close to your face Uh huh. Well, I also love that when they released for the Game Boy Color, they had the thing that like you could put over it that like was a magnifying glass with the light, but then like that had its own batteries. So then you needed like eight batteries instead of just the four batteries for your Game Boy. And it was just like, and your parents were like, you're eating through, you know, actually quite a bit of batteries every week. If you played constantly, like really those batteries only lasted maybe six, eight hours at most. So like really you were eating through batteries. Hey, it was totally worth it. I mean, I played that game so much as a kid to the point where I, over the years I've occasionally gone back and I've emulated red just because as an adult i know like pretty much everyone else knows that the, that game was a glitchy buggy mess oh, it is yeah. so fun to mess with like the minute i got access to fly and surf immediately going back to uh, um what was it uh not saffron uh the second man it's been a minute since i played the original game mm-hmm. uh, the no it was before that before uh saffron forest oh man that all the fans are gonna like crucify me <laughs> point being, Viridian. the Viridian, there we go Viridian, Viridian. Viridian city and i even said saffron forest Viridian city and Viridian forest right when the old man gives you the caching tutorial you immediately leave you don't move fly right down to cinnabar island you surf along the edge where the land and the water meet 
and you put the rare candies in the six item slot and boom, you got all the ones that you need to love the skip all the level grinding for your Pokemon. Oh my God. I did not know that at all. That's amazing. Cause my first game was silver. So it was a little different. Um, but I like, I even was probably about two months ago before my ship was supposed to leave. I literally was like, I want to play uh, heart soul or soul silver so bad. Um, and I was like, oh, I could get a DS Lite for like 60 bucks. And it's in pretty good shape. And then I went, oh, yeah, but bitch, that game is $150. Yeah. So I, I quickly pulled out my laptop and was like, I guess we're getting an emulator right now. Let's figure this out. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I love going back to those old games because there is something. I mean, like, especially when we're talking about Crystal, that was like the brave new world of what we thought the future of Pokemon was going to be. Because it was like two generations worth and all these things. Like, there was just so much good to it that it was just like, oh, crap, this is incredible. So, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. Now, did you watch the anime and play or collect the card games as well? Oh, yeah, I did. Like I said, I was, I was like the perfect age for it. I mean, you can make the argument for being a little bit older, but since I was so young, though, you could say before my formative years. So I played the yep. games. I loved watching uh, the anime. I had the card game for a little bit, but it didn't necessarily click with me, say, the same way that Yu-Gi-Oh! did, because I also played yep. that a lot as a kid, and I really ran with that. But I did a little bit of both, uh, like all of it when I was a kid. I loved the anime to death. I would argue that it was my first one. We'll say minus some more typical animes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I loved watching it as a kid. And up until, I want to say maybe, we'll say early high school, I kept watching it pretty consistently, only just to keep up with it you know, on a weekly mm-hmm. basis. And around the time when I stopped, which again, we'll probably get to a little later, um, I kind of stopped watching it more consistently. Um, but yeah, I loved it. It was just, I don't know from thinking back as a kid and now I'm sure it's mostly just nostalgia. Cause I've gone back and I've watched, um, you know, from the Indigo league and the orange islands, which I think is a very underrated season. Um, I love the orange islands. Love it so much. It's so good. So good, but it's, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but you know, it yeah. has that same sense of whimsy and like the sense of a journey that we all like to think about when we were kids. And yeah, I stuck with it for quite a while. It was I, like I said, I was fully ingrained in this when I was younger and it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I'm somebody that I also went back cause I stopped watching the anime. I'd say fairly quickly and kind of kept it just cause like on our television. Cause I feel like as growing up, you were either a CW kid that had Pokemon on CW or well, Warner brothers, or you were a Fox kids kid that had Pokemon. But the problem was Pokemon came out at two 30 every day, Monday through Friday. And we got out of school at two 20 or three. Oh, o'clock. Yeah. So it was impossible to watch it. So I, uh, and you know, it was also cause I was an antenna kid. So we didn't also always get it. So it was one of those that I didn't kind of start watching the anime because like streaming was a thing that Pokemon wasn't streaming for a long time. So I probably didn't go back and watch it until it started streaming. What? Four, four years ago, maybe on Netflix when all the, the series came out. Um, so that's probably when I went back and watched through most of it. Now with my ex partner and I, we were watching, I think we did advanced battle together. We watched and, um, and then I loved the X and Y anime from X and Y on, I kind of kept up with it. So it was, you know, now we just had the, um, uh, 
Oh, Ash, well, Satoshi, it hasn't happened in America yet. But in the Japanese version, Ash just won world champion, which is so cool. Now, okay, so I'm going to ask. So you keep alluding to this idea that you had a break in Pokemon. I'm guessing it was about the beginning of high school. Yeah, and, that, and it's not probably not because of what you're thinking. And even then, okay. when, I look, yeah, when, I look, when I look back on and think about it, um, it's not because I didn't like the series anymore. It's more of... You know, I had played a game for each generation of Pokemon from like Gen 1 up to just before Gen 5. I played from Red all the way up to Platinum, and I loved all of them. And I even played some of the side games, whether it was the Rescue Team series, uh, the Stadium series, uh, Battle Revolution. You know, I loved all of them. But for whatever reason, I felt like, I don't want to say burnout of the series, but I felt like it wasn't really doing enough to hold my interest like, as I, I'm still an avid gamer to this day. I love video games to death. Um, and I always like, you know, seeing a series kind of like push the envelope or kind of change over time. Like, like I've seen some series that have either uh, adapted to new technology, like graphically, or have introduced new gameplay mechanics. I don't know. Pokemon felt like to me, I don't want to call it stagnant, but... Mm-hmm. Um, either way, I kind of I stopped after Platinum, which is unfortunate because I have a bunch of friends, even my cousin was telling me, oh, man, you missed the best generation hands down with Gen 5. And I felt like I probably did because everyone loves talking about those games to death. And I don't know. I, I think I just stopped because it, we'll just call it burnout. I just feel like it wasn't doing enough at the time to really hold my interest when other series that I love just as much were, you know, trying new ideas in terms of gameplay or innovation. I just felt like at the time, Pokemon wasn't doing enough. Gen 5, would that have been black and white? It would have been. Yeah, black and white, black and white too. Yeah, um, I I agree with them that like, because I'm playing through Brilliant Pearl right now and I'm so bored, but I'm pushing through. And I remember never completing Pearl or Platinum, even though I think Platinum was the better game. I never completed those and I never really thought about it until I'm playing Pearl now and went, oh, they literally just didn't do that much with that game, which is shocking because it was the first DS game. Yeah, and it's funny too, because like you said, you didn't finish Pearl and Diamond. I had Pearl, and I never remember people, you know, these things saying, you know, like, you know, oh, Cynthia was like the absolute monster. I never remember having a hard time. Granted, my memory is a little fuzzy as a kid. I never remember the games being slow. Like, people mentioned the HP bar takes like two minutes to go down. Mm -hmm. I I remember having many problems with it. It's just. And I don't know. I love that game. And then when I got Platinum, I thought it was fine too. But whatever, for whatever reason, from Platinum to Black and White, just. Now, what's funny is I thought you were going to say that you kind of aged out of it when it started not being cool to like things, because that's what I've had a lot of people who, I mean, you know, because I know who you are, I was like, that's a weird take for you, because that's just been what a lot of other people have said, too. But um, uh, just, you know, but I think that is also because that was the point where the Internet was more prevalent. And so the online community was existing. We knew about a little bit of things in advance. Um, they weren't really pre-releasing things the way they were. They are now. But like, you know, we got trailers online that weren't necessarily for television and things. So it was, you know, it was one of those things that it does make make a little sense in that way. Um, but uh, what is the most recent Pokemon game that you've played? 
Um, I wish I could say it was Scarlet and Violet. However, <laughs> I am quite poor at the moment because, you know, I have a child. <laughs> yes. and, yeah, and it's, you know, heaven forbid teachers not get paid well. Uh, preach, anywhere. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation I, I should have to talk about but oh, trust yeah, me. No. um yeah and i wish i could even say it was legends rcs because that was also a game that looking looking at it it looks like it does a lot of what i wanted but it was shield and uh, um i like uh, you kind of you know touched upon the online community unlike what a lot of people online are saying i quite enjoyed shield for i did what too it was. and my, my wife uh, sam had sword and we both really enjoyed uh, playing. We didn't necessarily play them together. I mean, I got mm-hmm. shield first and she got sword and played it afterwards, but I had a lot of fun with it. I really like the, you know, the, it, it's not expansive in the same way that other mm-hmm. RPGs are, or even like Starlight and Violet are from what I've seen, but it felt open. The world yes. felt like it, it felt, you know, um, living. It felt uh, new. Um, I really liked a lot of the Pokemon designs, which mm-hmm. one of which ended up becoming my favorite, which we'll talk about in a little, a little while. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, and that's kind of the direction I, w- um, I was hoping that it, it went. I mean, yes, it wasn't perfect, but it's yeah. kind of the whole point of these series is that it's just meant to be simple fun. And I had yeah. fun with S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. Yep. Um, did you, have you done the, uh, DLC, the payable DLC yet? The I, I did, a, I did a little, yeah, I did a little bit of it. Um, I got up through, I got all the way through Isle of Armor. I didn't get all the way through, um, the next bit only just because, you know, life kind of got in the way at that point between yes. moving yeah. and then having, uh, Cordelia, um, kind of got in the way of that. But again, same thing. I got through all the way of Isle of Armor and I really liked it. I mean, I loved Urshifu as a Pokemon, both thematically and design-wise. I ended up going with Single Strike mm-hmm. because design-wise it looks a little cooler. And just to me, the idea of just mm-hmm. uh, doing like a Bruce Lee style, just like one punch of destruction was just really cool yeah. to me. So <laughs> they've, they've brought that over into the card game. And it's been something for me that I think is so brilliant about the card game now is that it's back to evolving Pokemon and playing through the strategy of drawing cards versus just hoping you get your, your five or six really powerful cards out quickly. And so I really, they, they brought the rapid strike and the single strike in. And I thought that was so smart and it's been so great. Um, I am about to pick up sword where I left off. I think it was after the poison gym. Um, going through the rest. So I'm excited. And I just bought the, the download content. I haven't played RCS yet either, not for owning it, but I was saving it for, I was like, this will be a good cruise ship. Uh, uh, be when we're on the ship. Um, and, uh, but I, you know, I did start Violet and I will say that I wish Violet and Scarlet took a lot of what I thought did make sword and shield as the first switch games succeed nicely. So, you know, that is kind of my thought when it comes to that, but you know, it is, it is what it is. So you mentioned it. So I want to hear what it is. What's your favorite Pokemon uh, game and why? And then tell me what your favorite singular Pokemon is. All right. So you kind of uh, make, makes it seem like I'm cheating a little bit because you actually end up mentioning it. My favorite, my favorite game, it might be nostalgia talking, but I like to think from a you know, adult perspective thing back it's silver, like bar none. It's gen, like gen two is my favorite so good regardless of mechanics aside like Uh um it to me it's like the perfect sequel because Mm -hmm. the experience that i had as a kid and even thinking back on it and i want to say i've emulated a couple times over the years it's just it's so much fun like it feels like it takes everything that the first game did and and it felt like all right this is what we did well let's take that run with it and introduce so many new things between introducing dark and steel as new types 
of Johto as a region felt, you know, fresh, new, and exciting. Mm-hmm. And then, in my mind, still to this day, in terms of video games in general, has some of the most brilliant idea I've seen for a post game and having all of Kanto available for you to explore, go through the gyms. And then, you know, if you played the previous game, which obviously, you know, seeing all of the old gym leaders again, seeing the changes that went through the region, seeing the remnants of Team Rocket going all the way through Mount Silver and then seeing the previous protagonists as the ultimate challenge thematically is just amazing to me. Yeah, so Barnon Gen 2 is my favorite mainline game. But in terms of the series of Pokemon overall, I love the rescue teams to death. Like Red Rescue Team and Explorers of Darkness, bar none, because the story for a Pokemon game has no right to be as good as it is. Like, And also, I've, I always had the thought as a kid, how cool would it be to be a Pokemon? And the fact that I got to you know, be one of my favorite, if not my favorite Pokemon, um, and go through a really heart-wrenching story, especially in ex- terms of Explorers of Darkness and Time, mm-hmm. it was just pff, mind-blowing to me. As at least a ki- as a kid, is, and now looking back as an adult, it was just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I love that. Honestly, the one set of games I have never delved into was Mystery Dungeon. And uh, I... Well, about six months ago, the the Switch uh, Mystery Dungeon game was on like a really good sale at Target. So I bought it. I haven't played it yet, but everybody's been very excited when I was like, oh, because I always play Pokemon game. I'm very much a casual gamer. Um, so I enjoy kind of those long form games. And so I like having, because I've liked that. And then I just started Digimon Survive as well, which is a nice like... Um, visual novel style game with a battle component. So I'm very excited to kind of delve in. Once I kind of get a little more of, uh, I think, Violet under my fingernails, I'm going to start start the, the mystery. And so what is your favorite Pokemon of all time? What is that one Pokemon who's your favorite? I mean, it's probably a little typical because I'm sure most of it, well, I'm not, I'll preface by saying it's probably one of the most typical, but I'm, you know, fan in terms of they love starters more than anything. But my favorite one of all time is probably Blaziken. So like the Torchic line. Because yeah. this also ties into the anime as a kid. Like, I'm sure most others, I don't want to say I was a Charizard kid, but, you know, fire-breathing dragon. I know he's not technically yeah. a dragon. But, like, most others thematically, I was like, oh, this is, like, awesome. Like, the be-all, end-all. I also love fire types for a long, long time. So even, like, Gen 2, Entei was a big favorite of mine, also because of the third movie. Techlosion wasn't... Was, oh, like, that movie's so good. I love I, the third I know. movie. It's, it's so I know. Good. I know. Um, Typhlosion is kind of iffy for me as a starter. Actually, design-wise, I love for Alligator the most of the Gen 2s. But oh, yeah. in terms of my favorite overall Pokemon, it's probably Blaziken. Because as a kid, when I saw that anime, um, when I saw the, that Pokemon show for the first time, I thought, okay, that thing was freaking amazing. Yeah. And seeing it, like wipe the floor with Ash's Charizard was just so cool to me. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, it's signature move at the time and justice for Blaziken, it should still be the only one that has Blaze Kick. And when I use it the first time, it is like a spinning heel kick against the Charizard. Uh-huh. I was in I was in love <laughs> as a kid. I even have a, a, a plushie of it that I got at the 10th anniversary, like in um, Central Park in uh, uh-huh. New York. And I, I still have it. So it bar none is my favorite Pokemon of all time. I love that. You know, it's funny. You're the only one that said uh, Torchic line so far. So I love that. That's been really, I always love to hear what everybody's is. And also, especially because now we have 1029 Pokemon, there are so many correct answers because every answer is correct. Um, Now, is 
Is there a Pokemon that you think does not get enough love that you would defend if everybody around you was talking shit about it? You would stand up for this Pokemon. See, that's the thing. Because like you said, there's so many that I feel like it's really hard to come up with one that doesn't get some form of love or the other. Plus, I feel like I'm always kind of typical as a Pokemon fan. As my wife loves to poke fun at me, I always go for the ones that are like the big, the tall, for the cool-looking ones, which I feel like yeah. every, everyone does. But also, that's very much you as a person. Like, <laughs> it just checks out for me, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I really can't think of one that I love to death more than anyone that feels like doesn't get any unjust love. I'm, I <sighs> You know what? Actually, no, I don't know. I, I don't know if this one doesn't get, you know, like enough love or hate, but I love the Galarian, like Meowth and like the Perserker evolution. Yes. Uh-huh. It, it, because, I mean, you know, you know, as my, my aesthetic, the fact that Galarian Meowth evolves into like a Viking is just amazing to me. So his, yeah, design, I mean, his design is just like, it looks so good. I, I, in the same breath will say, okay, remember Pokemon company, there are other Pokemon other than our first 250 that can get regional variants. But then in the same breath, I will say, except Meowth, Meowth needs a regional variant in every single region, which makes sense because house cats are different all over the world. Like, like I think the fact that we didn't get an orange tabby Meowth in black and white because it's American. Uh, and have a like, Yes. Oh yeah. Like, or we, like, we don't have, um, a mancoon style Meowth. Like there's just, I just, I, I think every region needs to have a, um, like, I'm sorry if we ever get an African one, I want a Sphinx cat, like a hairless, I want a hairless Meowth because it would be terrifying. And I want it, I want it to be like, uh, like, uh, that be fairy or like psychic type, just be real disastrous. <laughs> like I just, yeah, I just want, I want something like just kind of absolutely crazy with it. I don't know, but that's just, I will say that I think Meowth needs a regional variant in every region that's based on the region, but that's also just me. Um, so with that, uh, Everybody's very polarized on legendary. I'm someone who doesn't care for many of the legendary, but I love mythic Pokemon. If you as a Pokemon trainer in the Pokemon world could only register to like research and go after the journey for one legendary, what legendary would it be? See, I went back and forth about this quite a bit. And this one might surprise you a little bit given the, you know, the aesthetic that you know that I'm into, but I was thinking about it and the thought occurred to me, a little side note, my absolute favorite Studio Ghibli movie, which my wife Sam will fight me on this to the day we both die, is Princess Mononoke. And uh -huh. I love the forest, you know, the forest spirit, the forest uh -huh. god in that movie. So I would probably say Xerneas because it reminds me so much of that. And don't tell me otherwise, they weren't inspired based off of the forest gods designed for Mononoke to design Xerneas. Oh, clearly they were. I mean, I like to think a lot in Pokemon is a love letter. I mean, even with Scarlet and Violet, they had other video game designers design single Pokemon or Pokemon evolutions for Scarlet and Violet. And that's why we have two Mega Man looking uh, um, night types. We, we, we've got, you know, you've got, um, the like common Rider style, a uh, steel bug. You've got a, a Minecraft evolution line. Like there are all these things that also just feel appropriate. Like if they literally did a giant 
Pokemon Gen that was just inspired and informed by other video games, it would make so much sense because Pokemon has always been informed by the world around it. So it would make sense that it takes inspiration from like Studio Ghibli. It's the arguably the other most iconic Japanese studio other than the Pokemon company at this point, I would say. So like, I mean, you know, other than that, and like the company that does Dragon's Quest and Dragon Ball Z, like they, they're all these things that have a very specific kind of visual. And that just makes sense to me. So I, and I, I think Xerneas is one of the most beautiful legendary. Also it's fairy type and I sucker for fairy types. So. Oh yeah. Fa- fairies are like very, I shouldn't even say slept on because from a competitive sense, it, like the whole reason why fairy was introduced was because people said that dragons were the undisputed Kings. But yeah, I mean, I would, if I, you know, would go on a journey, I would probably say Xerneas just because like I said, it thematically reminds me so much of one of my favorite anime movies of all time. And as you said, it's designed as, re- it's so, it's a combination of like simple and elegant and, I don't know. I feel like if I went on that kind of journey, it would just give a very newfound appreciation for nature because Xerneas represents life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like if that's the kind of thing that if you see it, you're just like, you have to re- pretty much reevaluate your, you know, your existence in the world in terms of how you coexist with it. So that I, I, I would think I would go after the majestic beer. I, I agree. And then I would probably also do a journey because uh, I w- always said that I'm like, well, I feel like, uh, going after mythic Pokemon or knowing about po- mythic Pokemon is like having a doctorate degree in folklore. Um, so I'm like, I would probably care about Xerneas. And then I would also probably be like the keys, most the world's most informed knowledge on Celebi because those two to me go together. Um, probably also have a mild obsession with Suicune there as well. Uh, just as kind of like the giver of life in the water. Um, but I also said that I would probably be like a, a coastal protector of Lugia's legacy because I love the second movie. I love that movie. Honestly, I've been listening to like Lugia's song. Like I did rediscovered it like in a a Pokemon countdown video that I watched and they start playing it. I'm like wave of nostalgia. So let's, let's talk about the big, the big question now. What would your dream team be? No legendary or mythics, but what is your six Pokemon dream team? See, I, I spent so long on this, probably more than I, I really needed. Good. I really needed it. <laughs> and the problem is, like, part of me, I love playing, like, the uh, competitive Pokemon uh, um, online game now. So part of me is thinking, all right, which one will do this role? Which one will do this? All right, all right, move that aside. This is, like... Imagine if the anime was real, like they don't like, yeah. you know, they don't do toxic spikes and stealth rocks and all that. They just, you know, go balls to the wall. Yeah. So, <laughs> in terms of my six, Blaziken, obviously, because my absolute favorite. Um, Alakazam would be another one because that's another one that I, I love to death. I mean, I honestly, I blame a lot of these for like the anime and how they're presented. And Alakazam always was so cool, especially with the Orange Islands episode and that one, I'll say gym leader, because I forget the exact titles mm-hmm. that they had. That one, Alakazam, was awesome. Um, Gyarados, I've loved to death forever. It, honestly, it's a giant sea serpent. How do you not love it? Yeah, yeah. Dragonite would be in, would be there too because I probably amongst all the pseudo legendaries, Dragonite's probably my favorite because its design is very simple. It's a little derpy, but also yeah. you, you don't want to mess with an angry Dragonite. Yep. And also yep. thematically, if I need to get somewhere quick, if I remember correctly, the, the the lore says that Dragonite can like circle the globe. I think like sixteen hours, so yep. never have to worry about getting anywhere on time. Coronite would be on there too. That's probably was my favorite from Gen 8. I love Corviknight's design and the idea that it's like 
a bird night, which is amazing yes. to me. And I it's all black it. and sleek. Oh, it's so good. It's I love so it. good. Love it to death. And rounding it out would be a, a Tyranitar, which is another probably one of my favorites from Gen 2. It's again, I blame the anime because of Ash's uh, Larvitar, uh-huh. and then like tr- like seeing that battle scarred uh, Tyranitar, and just thinking this is one of the Pokemon that you do not want to mess with the most. And I'm just thinking. Yep that's amazing <laughs> so again call me you know um typical at least you know for those who know me that team right there is a you look at it you don't want to mess with it so <laughs> very much like knowing you that team checks out and i'm just like yeah that's john's team that makes a ton of sense to me yeah yeah, yeah. um so uh so let's say you've been a Pokemon trainer, you've done your journey, you've brought your region pride and joy and what you've done. They ask you to be a gym leader. Now, what we have learned is that necessarily a gym leader's Pokemon uh, type uh, of their gym isn't, doesn't necessarily mean it's their permanent team. So if you had to pick a gym to take over to be gym leader of what type would it be and kind of where in the journey of the game would it be? All right. So I actually, um, ironically didn't spend as much time on this one only just because i think the idea came to me pretty quick because i think it was like an aha moment so the first thing is that uh, it would be like a trifecta you would only be allowed to use three types it would be fire water and steel and the reason for that is because over the years i picked up a hobby of uh, you know like knife making so um thematically the way that it would work is that you can only use those three types not necessarily only three pokemon but only those three types and the one way that you would be, you know, the gym would work is that you and your Pokemon would have to physically work together to make an object that would then be judged, whether it's a knife, uh, an art piece um, that you'd work together, such as I, I envision the steel type Pokemon would be the ones hammering on the hot steel that the fire types would be heating up and then the water types would be cooling down. So you're all working together to work on this one cohesive piece that would then be judged by the gym leader and then maybe an additional panel of like two or three other experts. And then you get a separate grade based of, say, your teamwork. And then you would have to uh, um, battle the gym leader, uh, which I don't know, based off of um, all of that, because I know and as the years have gone on, um, especially I remember with Sword and Shield, the gyms have become a lot more thematic that way. Yeah, so I can't really say where it would be in a journey, but to, at least to me, that seems like a very labor intensive one. So I can imagine it being like a sixth to eighth gym just because that seems like, you know, you have to accumulate that kind of those types of Pokemon and, you know, form those types of bonds that literally become like forged and fire kind of bonds together. And then you could still same thing could only use fire, water and steel types in the gym battle. So that's awesome. Yeah. Again, that one kind of came to me pretty quick. So I thought, like, oh, this sounds awesome. That's a very, I love that because that's also very, like, a little bit of what they've gone with in the anime is the idea of getting to the gym leader isn't as easy as it j- used to be just battling. Like, um, I reference in Journey, um, the fairy type gym leader who's the old lady who has, like, a community theater, I, I, which I, I, I love. love. I love that one She's so much. so good. And, but in the anime, what they have to do is they each, everybody that's trying to battle the gym leader, because she's older, she only does it like once a week or once during a period of time, everybody's assigned a different type of alcreme, different form of alcreme, and they have to make a cake 
um, a fully decorated cake with their elk cremate up to like bond with it. And whoever wins gets to battle the gym leader and also gets the option of taking the elk cremate with them as a partner, which I also thought was a beautiful choice. Of course, Ash wins, uh, but his, his little boyfriend go is a very secondary, but I, that also made me love Alcreme. Like the anime will do that sometimes. Like Dedene, it did it for me with Dedene in the X and Y. Like it just does a Gumi. It just does that for me often. And I just really appreciate it. Little side um, note, my wife and you would absolutely just love chatting because the minute that she saw Milkery and Alcreme, she was in love to the point that where uh-huh. she wanted, like she wanted the plushie, had it as a mainstay on her team. Like the minute that she got it available, like she was absolutely in love. I love that. Yeah, I need to order their uh the Christmas the holiday festival Al Creme plush from the Pokemon Center because it looks like a fruit cake little thing. It's very cute. It's a club on plush. Now, this one, what most people don't know is you all know what the questions are gonna be, but this one, you all don't know that kind of for the unconventional gym types, I've come up with one for every single guest. So 26 unconventional gyms. And If I know my guests, I try to theme it a little bit to them. So, John, something I know about you is that you love Batman. So, uh, for everyone at home, this is the Gotham gym, and it's just little Bat Boys. Uh, So, it would have... Uh, it would have Gliscor. Uh, you can argue whether he's a bat or not, but uh, I think oh, he I is. Would argue, I would argue, yeah, um, that. Uh, and then it's Swoobat. And then, of course, we have to have Noivern, our big bat dragon boy. And then rounding out, just because I don't think they get enough love, is Golbat and Crobat. So you think you're done with the Golbat because I love a Crobat and it would specifically be shiny Crobat because I love that like purple and gold. I think it looks so ridiculous, but yeah, that's just for you. I knew immediately it was going to have to be a bat gem. Like it was just, that's, that's what we're going to do now. Over time, when when it comes to talking about like the future of Pokemon games and what everybody wanted, a lot of older kind of players, you know, when, when things like Skyrim, uh, started coming out and the Elder Scrolls were becoming very popular, um, a lot of people wanted a more open world Pokemon game, which we are kind of getting now, whether it's super successful or not. But, um, my question, you know, a lot of people were like, what they've wanted was a game where you could either, so you, from the beginning, you pick the hero's path or a villain syndicate path. Which, you know, I was like, parents would never let that go. You you would never be able to do that. And I think the Japanese sensibility wouldn't lead to that. But I promise I'm getting somewhere. So if you had to pick one of the villain syndicates out of all of the Pokemon regions to join, which villain syndicate would you join? I mean, I kind of alluded to this, but despite the fact that I missed Gen 5, um, this one was pretty easy for me, Plasma. Yeah. And I feel like this might be a typical answer based on, you know, your guess if they have a little bit more know-how of the series, but... I mean, when I was going through, when I was going through and thinking back on it, to me, you know, maybe it's way my own sensibilities, but I could never really see myself as a person being associated with the villainous team in the world of Pokemon because, you know, the Rocket, very t- you know, typical Pokemon poachers, mm-hmm. um, Magma and Aqua just want to cause the apocalypse, <laughs> whether through yeah. earthquakes or, you know, biblical floods. Galactic are nihilists, or at least are led by a nihilist who want to destroy all creation. And I mean, Flare, Yell, and the like, you know, they're not necessarily villainous. They're just kind of like, oh, and um, what, what was, what, who are Guzma's boys? Um, 
a skull um yeah. we're just kind of like you know goofs they're like they're like goofy gags so by default it's plasma because they, to me they have the most um you know minus you know black and white to it gets this they have the most shades of gray about them it's kind of hard to kind of you know argue their message the idea of free pokemon and they're not you know enslaved but yeah. you know the idea that they have their own choice of whether to form partnerships with humanity and have a little bit more free will, and that's kind of hard to argue depending on how you look at it. Yeah. So plasma, yeah. definitely. I, I always say that yeah, Gexus is a piece of shit, and uh, Black and White Two is a whole different story. But N really is what it's like the most sympathetic villain leader, I guess, antagonist that you that we get in any of the games. Because after that, they did get a little more silly. They started getting silly after that a little bit, especially with like. I think I've had one team star battle so far in Scarlet and Violet. And I'm like, Oh, look at these LARP. So this is a new pulse thing, but they very much remind me of some of the LARP kids uh, from new pulse. No offense to LARP kids out there. I LARP as well, but yeah, it's just, I think that was like the pinnacle of, they just got it though. I would say if I could end up with like a Jesse James team rocket trio, I would absolutely also cause team rocket, there's something interesting because everybody else has a very specific mission where team rocket is just a general fingers and all the pots villain syndicate so i think it's one of those like you could be as evil or not evil as you want because like jesse and james are the goodest boy and goodest girl they are incredible people you know they they do have them do some kind of evil things but they also have to deal with the ramifications of their actions which is something that is very important that we see um so going back what so you mentioned that like you kind of stopped for a while and it was because you just didn't think they were doing anything kind of interesting, but now as like an adult, what kind of keeps you going back to just Pokemon as, as a fandom, like whether it's the anime or watching the, the Nintendo directs, what is it that keeps you going back? Honestly, I think as an adult, I think the thing that kind of just keeps me coming back to Pokemon is that I've kind of gotten to the point not to make myself sound even older, you know, only 27 turning, you know, 28 in only a few weeks, um, that it's it's like a comfort series now that not everything needs to have a huge, grandiose a story with, with like high stakes, which this is a little point back is probably why they never went with a Team Plasma type of team again, because like, like they peaked and like, oh, we're never going to reach this again and kind of just keep things fun and simple. But that's kind of why I like Pokemon still, as I've come to realize that it's just I pick it up if I've had a hard day or if I just want to relax and play a game without really having to, you know, get super engrossed in the story or have to really be hyper focused on the either combat or specific grinding. It's it's just fun just having a sense of discovery, which is why I'm trying my best, even probably up to a month for you know my birthday and the holidays to avoid Scarlet and Violet. You know, the sense of awe and wonder, seeing a new Pokemon, seeing a new evolution, seeing a new location. It's, I don't know. I don't want to say it's nostalgia. I think it's just this sense of, you know, it's like I said, it's like a comfort game where you just pick it up. It's simple fun for a couple hours and you're just kind of thinking, oh, I wonder what I'm going to find next time I play. So it's. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very like relaxed sensibility kind of, which is nice because I remember when I was a little bit younger, you know, as everything was very much changing, you know, going off to college and new life experiences, experience in the real world. I actually thought to myself, I avoided listening to like the Pokemon entrance themes, you know, especially from like the early seasons when I was a kid, because it made me sad because it yeah. reminded me of how simple things used to be and of how it reminded me that they weren't like that anymore. 
But now as an adult playing the games again, it reminds me of that, but in a nice way that okay, things were like this and they can continue to be like this if I you know, make it that way. Perfect. Yeah, I... I love that for me. Yeah. It's very much a nostalgia thing. Be- being a casual gamer. I also just love design. I'm a designer. So like, I think the world are just gorgeous, by the way. thank you. I appreciate it. I just love th- th- how beautiful the games are and there is truly something for everybody. And it's why like, like right now I never have ever cared about like the coordinator things or like the super, super special contest in diamond and pearl. But like, that's what I'm focusing on. Like right now, like I literally stopped grinding for a while just to figure out how to make puffins so that I could, so that I could like, uh, cause I was like, I have a badass, I have a, a badass gold duck and a badass rapid ash. I was like, I want them to do good and clever and I want them to do good and cool. So like, I, you know, I, that's, I just stopped the game entirely just to like do that. So it's, I, I agree with you though, that it's just something that I can casually go back to. And it's just so lovely and it's so much fun. And they have replayability. Like I could start a game over and be okay, especially now that you can upload your Pokemon to a central hub uh, so that you don't lose those Pokemon that I think is something. But what are, what are some hopes that you have for kind of the future of the Phantom in the long run in the franchise? I mean, in terms of the, well, because you mentioned fandom and franchise, in terms of my hopes for the fandom, I'm really hoping that, you know, especially the fans our age really realize that if things don't change in terms of our aspirations for the series, that we, I'll just say we because we're a part of the fandom, we realize that it's never really going to ultimately be aimed at us, even though the some quality of life changes have made it that way, such as, you know, making competitive easier in the sense of, you know, getting specific stats or specific natures or even finding certain Pokemon. Um, it's never going to be catered directly towards us. It's always going to be meant to the masses of either casual gamers or kids and at its core. And that's, and that's perfectly fine. Um, so I feel like a lot of us really just need to chill and realize this series is not for us, even though we've been around for the entirety of it. It's not going to ever be really for us. Um, but in terms of the franchise itself, despite what I just said, I am hoping that um, the franchise realizes that they maybe sometimes don't give kids enough credit that I think back to some of the, not to sound like, Oh, the games were better when we were younger, but I think back to some of the games that, you know, I grew up on, or maybe even you grew up on that. They didn't necessarily handhold us. Like I remember sun and moon, especially did a lot of handholding like this is yeah. how you catch a Pokemon. This is where you go to like go here or you can't go here yet because of blah, blah, blah. It, you know, give kids the benefit of a doubt and say, you know, give an option for like a, a difficulty setting, um, which I know can be a little bit tricky for an RPG, but, you know, have an option of say like a hardcore mode where maybe certain items don't show up um, yet, or maybe certain Pokemon, their level will be a little bit um, higher uh, based on certain areas. Or honestly, have a better AI. That way, maybe the uh, the difficulty is the the AI is a little smarter. Such as instead of yes. just you know like playing uh, rocket tag, where they're just firing the most powerful move at each other. Like they use status moves, they use status increase moves, etc. Um, and in terms of franchise in general, too, like I mentioned at the top, don't be afraid of innovation. You know, we just have, in the grand scheme of things started to branch onto 3D. Like, don't be afraid to. Um, kind of really run with that or like work with third parties so that um, they can take advantage of more powerful and better engines. Like you kind of uh, alluded to working with um, guest artists so that we can get more varying ideas in terms of designs of Pokemon. And honestly, try 
voiceover like for the love of god <laughs> it's 2022 and we have yet to have a, as far as i'm aware we have yet to have a pokemon game with voice acting in it and it kills me we've had voice acting in games as early as like the uh, like i know earlier but i remember like big games having voice acting from like the original playstation era like come on yeah, yeah absolutely oh. thousand percent yeah yeah, yeah. I, I agree so much too. And I think that you and I have this conversation because we very much have the same mindset of the idea of nostalgia and being part of something that you're a fan of, that it's a larger picture than just you and your individual legacy with something. So it's like, you can still love something and maybe one particular aspect isn't for you. Like Teen Titans, maybe Teen Titans Go isn't for you, but it was certainly for someone. And I will still argue that Teen Titans Go to the movies was one of the most clever and wonderful animated films I've seen in a long time. But because I gave that that opportunity, but like not everything has to be for everyone, which it's also like, we have a whole group of people that know Pokemon just because of Pokemon Go, which I think that is really fun and cool. But, you know, I think, I think any fandom now, as far as Pokemon goes, the fandom is relatively not toxic as far as other fandoms go, but you know, it is. Yeah. So it's one of those, I, I would just like to see that keep going forward and remember that like, there's always a new generation that this is their first Pokemon game and it might be their only Pokemon game, but for some of us, we've been lucky enough to continue on with it. So like just appreciate it while we have it. Cause I think as long as it's appreciated and you keep buying stuff, it's never going to go away. Cause like at this point we just hit the 25th, the 50th is going to happen. And as long as the world isn't imploded, like I can't wait to be old and ramshambly and waiting, you know, cause I'll be, like 70. So I like, can't wait for that day, but you know, it'll, it'll happen. No, that's a lie. I'm only 37. <laughs> wow. I can't number. I'll be 62, I guess, but yeah, I will still be playing it. If the world is still existing, I will still be playing Pokemon for the 50th anniversary. So like, but John, I don't know if you knew this, but every broadcast will be giving away a free digital download code to the Pokemon TCG online app. And there, everybody needs a very specific password. And today's password is Torchic, right? It is Torchic. Be the first to respond to our Instagram story on release day and it will be yours. So John, thank you so much for taking a break from your journey to be the best that ever was. We appreciate having you on the show. It was so good to see you, buddy. Of course, I I love doing this. It was great catching up and uh, great talking about a series that, as you said, we both have very fond memories of and still very much appreciate. So thank you. It's really why I created the show, because I just scream about Pokemon all the time, and that's all we've really been doing recently, even in the internet spaces. So I was like, let's do it from a positive spin. All right. All right, folks. Coming up next, we have Oak's Pokemon Talk, and later tune into Burma's Password, where real people win real prizes. As always, I'm your Poke host, Maddie Limerick, and until next time, friends, it's you and me and Pokemon. Thank you for listening to The Champion's Path, a Pokemon podcast presented by Saturday Morning Confidential, a part of the Certain POV Media Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential and on Instagram at SMC Podcast. There you can follow our link tree to every podcast platform under the sun where you can listen to our show. You can find us along with all of the incredible shows on the Certain POV Network at CertainPOV.com. Saturday Morning Confidential and Dreamer Productions do not own Pokemon. In games or media form, this show is purely for entertainment and educational purposes only. And our ending credit music is Jungle Cavern by Brett Eaglestein. Join us next time for another journey down the champion's path.
CPOV. CertainPOV.com.